Double chair. It's a double chair. Who's there? Welcome, all my friends and everyone interested in this ancient text called the Bible, written thousands of years ago, and yet it's supposed to mean something to us today. I'm your host, the dumb Christian, and this is Nick. Nick. Yes, and we are going to explore um, a story that Jesus references when he's confronted with people who just want him to do party tricks. Yeah. So buckle up, the Bible's about to get real, and welcome to Dumb Christian. In Luke chapter four, Jesus is confronted with people from his hometown where he grew up, and they're asking him to do some party tricks. They say, yeah, we hear what you're saying about God and the kingdom and who you are, but prove it. And there's this attitude in the Old Testament where when God promises somebody something, they respond typically with, I believe you. I want to believe you. That sounds great, but I also don't want to sound or look like an idiot. So how do I know that this is going to be true? And and then God responds with, okay, let me let me demonstrate, let me prove it to you to encourage you to give you some assurance that this is actually going to happen. But the difference here is that the attitude isn't, I want to believe you. It's, I don't believe you. Prove it to me or show me some party tricks, like Nick said. Um, before we jump in, tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm from a small town. Uh, I work in a, a welding shop. Uh, pretty lucky to um, work with a pretty good group of guys. Um, started getting back into the Bible. Uh, my friend Jonathan got us these really nice Bibles for Christmas as a gift, and um, he's been encouraging us to do a daily reading plan. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I just really like reading it. Uh, spending my kind of evening. Last thing I do before I go to bed. Yeah. And one of my, I really enjoy like when we can get together and we do like just have random conversations about the Bible, uh, that that's really what made me think, Hey, let's do one of these together. Yeah. It'll be fun. And so Jesus responds to this request for party tricks with the kind of faith that you guys have. He kind of rebukes them a little bit. He says, this, this faith that you guys have, it's a lot like the faith that Israel had when there were a bunch of lepers in the land, but the only person that God healed was a Syrian. And a, a general, was it a general? I yeah. Think? yeah. Yeah, a general from Syria. And this just pisses the crowd off because that means they don't actually have faith in God and they're rejecting what he has for them. And I find that really interesting. So tell us a little bit about a guy named... Naaman. Well, I think it's important to know that, you know, the Syrians were the enemies of Israel at that time. So when you see your enemy get healed, that's kind of, you know, sort of a slap in the face. Um, But anyway, so Naaman, he was a wealthy general. Um, He, um, pretty high status. his boss, a.k.a. the king of Syria, mm-hmm. uh, thought he was a pretty good dude. Um, kind of like 
that annoying employee that always has their employee of the month. Right. Like they're 17 the only months one on, in a row. Yeah, they're the only <laughs> right. one on the wall. Um, but he had one problem and he had leprosy. Um, and leprosy at that time it wasn't really understood as what it is today. And if you had it, nobody would approach you. Mm-hmm. So you had this guy who had all this status, he had all this money and power, but not even the lowliest of slaves would approach him. Hmm. So that's kind of like the one thing that he doesn't really have is uh, basically real human connection. Interaction, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he wants to get healed. He's, you know, kind of complaining about it to his wife, I guess. And uh, <laughs> all he ever does is bitch about this leprosy. Yes. <laughs> Just holding him back. Right. Um, but his wife's servant was an Israelite girl that they that the Syrians stole uh, on a on a Syrian raid mm-hmm. and she said if only he knew of a man back in Samaria by the name of Elisha and if he were there uh, he would be able to be healed yeah so he goes up to his king and he says hey this slave girl you know lowly person is a foreigner me, nonetheless yes, an enemy foreigner an enemy yeah, foreigner okay okay is saying hey there's this guy that can make me better and he can basically like make my skin stop rotting off my body yeah so the king says okay go i will send a letter and um for you to deliver to the king of israel mm-hmm. um and he took a bunch of other stuff he took like a ridiculous amount of silver and um, clothes. clothes. Yeah, I think it said 10, 10 changes of clothes, which I don't know if that was enough for the journey because uh, it was a 250-mile trip. Um, you figure, I think I did a little research like how fast a chariot can move because he took chariots. He didn't walk. Mm-hmm. He's wealthy. Right. Um, and I think it said 20 to 30 miles per day is not unreasonable. Okay. But that's like... You got to stop, let the horses rest, go to like a Circle K, get some snacks. Potty breaks. Everyone has to try. You got to feel up the horses. <laughs> right. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, so 20 to 30 miles a day, that's what? I'm bad at math. A little over 10 days. That's probably about 11 or 12 days. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, Especially because it's mountainous terrain. It's very rocky. It's not like they don't have paved roads. Yeah. They're not like going from like... You know, Chicago to St. Louis, right? Where it's all flat. Yeah, uh, they're going up and down hills and mountains, so it probably took even longer than than that. So let, let's say maybe two weeks. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, so he gets there, and he knocks on Elisha's door, and so first I think doesn't he go to the king of Israel? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My bad. And and I. I and then I think he, he the letter from the king of Syria says, hey, king of Israel, heal my general. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then the king of Israel's like, what? Uh, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. What am I? What am I? What did he say? Something what, like. What am I? God? Yeah. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I kind of forget. What well, so then I think Elisha hears that the king's upset. Oh, yes. Yep. And then Naaman goes and knocks. The king sends him to Elisha. Yes. And Naaman knocks on Elisha's door. He knocks on his door, but Elisha doesn't answer. 
he sends one of his servants to answer. Yes. Uh, um, I can't think of his name. Shit, what's Batman's butler's name? Alfred. Alfred, answer the door. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, at this point, he's already insulted. Naaman. Naaman is insulted. He took a huge leap of faith. He followed the directions of this, again, foreign slave girl. A little girl. So, in that culture, like in the Near East back in that day, first of all, it's a woman. You don't women don't have a voice of reason. They're not well respected right. in that culture. Then it's a young woman. It's a child. And on top of that, it's a servant girl. What does she know? And mm-hmm. on top of that, it's a foreigner. It's an enemy. It's an Israelite. So there's these layers of things that make this person really not someone that would typically be acknowledged or honored what they say. Yes. And, and there's something inside Naaman that says, okay, I can't imagine like what it was that convinced him, but there is something that he says, okay, I'm going to test this out. Yeah. And maybe he was just, you know, at his wits end and was willing to try anything. Yeah. Does that sound like anybody? Like, does anybody know what that's like? You're like, I'm at, I've got nothing left. I've got no other options. So I'll do anything. And maybe that's the first time we even think to seek out God. Okay, okay. Okay, where were we? Uh, He's insulted that the servant answers the door. Yeah, he's insulted because he went all this way and he's not even able to talk to the man that's going to heal him. That's supposed to heal him, yeah. So, basically, the servant said, hey, my master just said, go down to this river, take seven baths. I'm on track here. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So he says, take seven baths and you'll be healed. And he's thinking, well, there's surely tons of rivers in Syria that I have that I could have done this. More clean rivers. And also, are you saying I'm gross? <laughs> right. Like, which, I mean, you got, le- you got you leprosy. Off? Right. Probably, probably a little bit gross. Probably a little gross. Uh, and he was getting ready to leave. He was like, no, nope, this is... Yeah, he he was frustrated. I came all this way. This guy won't even meet me face to face. Yes. And I'm being told to dip in the river, take seven baths. I've taken baths before. How, how is this going to help? I'm done. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I believe it was um, Naaman's servants yes. that said, hey, you know, we helped you get all the way here. It took us two weeks. Uh, we're not leaving until you take a bath, at least. Right. Come on, man. So uh, he takes his seven baths, and um, he's cured of his leprosy. I, let's take a second to just kind of like consider the significance of Naaman's servant. So Naaman is a top dog. Mm-hmm. He's a big deal in Syria. And... There's something about his servant that feels safe or comfortable calling out Naaman. Like, who? It's it's a servant telling his master, his boss, like, bro, we came all this way. Yeah. You you came here for the purpose. I think the servant also says, 
if he would have told you to do anything else, you would do it. Why won't you just do this simple thing? And and I want to come back to the servant a little bit later when we kind of come back around, because that's so significant that if his servant hadn't spoken up, I mean, I'm trying to put myself in the servant's shoes because he could probably get in trouble. Naaman could probably like kill him or like punish him some way. Right. Like, yeah. But if he killed him, how is he getting all his stuff back? (laughs) He's gonna have to do it himself. Right. He's thinking, he's just like, ah, he's at least not going to kill me till we get back. Right. Okay. Fair (laughs) enough. But like, that just seems so weird that a servant would step out of line and say, Hey, just go do it. And Naaman's like, all right. I just think that's such an interesting, he like took the, the servant had to take the courage and his own step of faith and be like, confront his, his master. And I think that's something that like, that still kind of is true today. Like even at like the corporate level, you see your boss doing something that's like, Hey man, Right. You know, like, I think that would be good. That's a good lesson for people to understand. Like, hey, just because you're above me doesn't mean I can't speak out and say something to you. What's if, right? If good something is. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. Okay. So he dips seven times, takes seven baths. And he has no more leprosy after that. Yeah, He just comes out totally clean. New skin. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he goes back. Mm. to Elisha. Yes. And he tries to offer him like some gifts. Well, he had all that gold or that silver with him. Right. Uh, And he says, uh, he basically says, no, I don't, I don't want anything. Mm -hmm. Elisha doesn't accept the gifts. And I think that's a good testimony for Elisha because he's saying, I didn't do anything. I didn't heal your skin. Yes. Right? Like he's honoring and giving credit to the one who did. So this is interesting. Oh, this is just kind of coming to me now. Elisha, it's almost like Elisha is saying this this whole ordeal that happened to you was between you and God. I didn't have anything to do with it because he didn't. Not his, no. his servant. Wow. Okay. So he's saying, in essence your healing is just between you and God and your obedience to what he asked you to do. Yeah. It's all coming together. Yeah. Okay. So he didn't accept the gifts because basically he's like, I didn't do it. Yeah. It's between you and God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he basically just said, just worship Yahweh. Yeah. Give credit, give glory to God. Yeah. Yeah. You want to give a gift, give your worship Mm -hmm. to the one who did it. And then Naaman makes a really interesting declaration about this Yahweh God. And that's, uh, there's only one true God, and that is the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how does Naaman respond when he kind of discovers this truth about the God of Israel. Well, I think he, he believes it. Yeah. Right. Because he was healed, but he's also kind of like, yeah, but my boss doesn't believe in the same God Mm -hmm. and I still have to 
basically help him into uh, his temple. Right. And so uh, Elisha says, basically take dirt with you Mm -hmm. to make uh, bricks for an altar for you. Your own altar made out of the land of Israel. Yes. So almost this idea of like you're taking a part of this land with you so that it's like you're worshiping from Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Elisha says, you got your dirt, you got your clean skin. Your new skin. And then he, he says, go in peace. So I had I did a little bit of digging to find out like the Jewish attitude of what it means to tell someone to go in peace. Okay. And it actually kind of carries with it a come and go. So as you go, as you come and go, as you live your life, walk in the peace that exists from right relationship with God. Hmm. So name cuz Naaman is concerned. He's like Elisha, I know there's only one true God. I know it's the God of Israel, but I live in a land where they worship these other gods. Nobody there worships Yahweh. Everybody, you know, everyone's, uh, the our, our gods are in marketing and advertising. They're on the billboards. They're everywhere. I can't escape the culture that I live in, and I'm worried of what that's going to mean when when I think about who really is God and and I believe in him, but I, I, he's trying to like make sense of how to live in a culture that completely rejects Yahweh while he's the only one in that culture that believes. And Elisha says, as you live your life, as you come and go, do it in the peace of knowing you have right relationship with Yahweh. And I think, you know, I, it's, it's tough to know what's really going on in our world and especially our culture right now with what seems like fake news. I don't know what else to call it, but a lot of, of seemingly misleading ideas of what our, our culture actually believes and, and who lives which way and what way. And, and, but I, I imagine that for a lot of people who believe in the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, the God that Jesus came to teach us about, I, I think it's probably very similar mm-hmm. where we're trying to understand how do I believe in and worship a God that by and large is rejected by the majority of the people around me. And I think this story is a good encouragement that says, well, hey, if you have right relationship with God, come and go in the peace of that relationship. And can I jump in or do you have any thoughts? No, go ahead. Okay. And and the thing that I love about doing this episode with you is like the the ways that we talk about the Bible and our faith and stuff has been such an encouragement to me the way that like you have insight and that it's different than my insight, but we both can like go back and forth and we can both kind of like challenge each other. It makes me think of Naaman's servant because if Naaman didn't have that partner in his faith journey, because Naaman was on that faith journey Mm -hmm. from listening to a little girl to do the traveling, to go listen to 
Elisha's servant to like, and then to bathe and then to come back and all of these different steps. He's on this journey. If he didn't have that servant, he would not have made it to experience complete healing. Right. Yeah. And so I think about like you and I's relationship and our friendship and the, the way that we try to explore this thing together. And it's like, if we didn't have somebody there poking us and prodding us and being like, Hey, come on, keep going, keep going. Like, it's so easy to just like say I'm done. Yeah. Right. And walk away. Yep. Cause sometimes this thing does challenge us and ask us to do things that might seem a little nonsensical or unreasonable unaccepted <sighs> mhm maybe yeah you know just unaccepted with what am i trying to it's unaccepted by everyone else around you mhm and until we walk through those things it's probably unaccepted by us too yeah like that doesn't make sense you tell me i just got to take seven baths hmm. okay <laughs> <laughs> right like that's that's stupid i'm not gonna do that that's a waste of time oh man okay not saying it no. is a waste of time but you know it, that's what it feels that's what like it feels like so you ever look at this you ever like read through this or think about what it entails to believe in this and think that's just a waste of time I mean, I've, I've thought that yeah. and thought that, you know, like, but I think like a lot of people would kind of walk through and are like, oh, I got to read my Bible today. I got to go to church. Like those things, fine. They're, they're nice, but they just feel like a waste of time until you have someone to walk through that with you and be like, no, no, there's something good here. If you yeah. just get through to the other side of it. And, and Jesus is using this story to illustrate the fact that the Israelites don't actually have the kind of faith that a Syrian had and it infuriates them and they're just enraged because they're like, who do you think you are, Jesus? You got no right to tell us that. But what he's doing is he's showing them like your faith is entirely based on party tricks, like what you get out of from God. And Jesus is saying that's not how God works. Yes, God wants to give us assurances that what we believe when we're when we believe in him is right and good and true but he's not some entertainer to just kind of fill our need for some gimmicks but he wants us to be willing like are we willing to walk through that journey to listen to an enemy servant child who tells us to go 250 miles only to be greeted by a servant and are we willing to walk into those things or or are we willing to surround ourselves with people who are going to go on that journey with us and and equip and encourage us when we reach those difficult scenarios where it's an arduous journey through rocky mountain terrain or we have to go do something that seems ridiculous and unnecessary so i think that basically the Israelites wanting to see the party tricks. Mm -hmm. I think that is like, okay. So if, if God was like, all right, I'm going to knock that tree down mm -hmm. and it does. Now are you going to believe in me? Right. What's it going to take? So 
it's just going to be an endless cycle of him having to prove that he's there. It's it's a mm. kind of a it's kind of a one way kind of a one way relationship because it's like okay well I did that to prove that I am mm-hmm. who I am. Uh, now what? Right. Because N- National Geographic will just come out with a series of TV shows to explain away how the tree fell down <laughs> at wood borers. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's really interesting, and that's a really good point. Um. It really comes down to whether or not we're willing to start with what we've been given and to take that trek and that journey. And don't go it alone. I have been your host, the Dumb Christian. I'm Nick. And uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Love you guys. See ya. Guys, thank you so much for joining Nick and I on The Dumb Christian as, as we explore the story of Naaman and why Jesus felt it necessary to use him as a picture for these Israelites. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, and ring that bell and your phone will go silent for weeks. Share this with your friends, family. Give us a like, subscribe, and we'll catch you guys later. Love you guys. Oh, oh, oh.